you know, are you ready for some football is like, yeah, that's, I, I don't know that anything can top that. I don't, I, you know what? I'm on the air during game. I haven't even heard the new game day song. Isn't it like Hootie and the Blowfish or something? Uh, yeah, I guess I don't know okay. what it is either. And, uh, Carrie Underwood's waiting all day for Sunday night. I love that. Now, see, other people think it's kind of corny, but uh, I don't know. It's I think it's pretty good. I don't mark out over much. I'm I'm old, grumpy, usually pretty tired. I just want to sit on my couch and not be bothered. But when Adam Schefter just tweeted out part of the new Monday Night Football anthem. I got a little fired up, dude. Now, I don't know how they're going to screw it up, but at least with what they've shared, let's go. I'm all in right now. Have you heard it? No. It's a teaser. I don't know if it really will work well on the air, but let's just say, as, as a Chris Stapleton mark, when you've got him covering in the air tonight, to kick off Monday Night Football, win-win. Yeah, I think we're in a good, good. spot. That's All right. pretty good. We'll see. Anyway. Did, uh, they, uh, did they run out on their agreement of uh, are you ready for some football? Like, what <laughs> I don't happened know. There? I have no idea. Why, I mean, when you've got a great thing, why would you not just keep with that? Because, because as I have learned throughout my career, Josh, and this is life, whenever someone new takes over anything, oh, they've they got feel it. like – they got to change with everything. They got to change with it all. And, you know, you might, there's, and which, by the way, in case you didn't know this, there's new producers at Game Day and Monday Night Football uh, and basically all of the TV broadcasts. <laughs> so it's like, why are they changing? Well, because there's someone new right. that wants to make sure they can show you they can do it. Got to put their stamp on things. Speaking of putting their stamp, you ready? You want to do this? It's time. You wanna- for the Newcastle Casino Top 5 Stories of the Day. You ready? Let's do it. It's time for the Top 5 Stories of the Day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Still the same game day song written by Big and Rich, now performed by Darius Rucker and Laney Wilson. Laney Wilson isn't in Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, and uh, the 918 says they fired Hank Williams Jr. because he made some crazy political remarks. I mean, isn't that how we all inevitably get fired anymore? Well, that's just a football fan. While we're at it, let's talk about Joe Biden, Bidenomics. My gosh. <laughs> Don't. You're going to get me in trouble totally, on the text line. People, totally. People get it's very a joke. Upset. It's a joke. It's a joke. All right. We put a little spin on the top five stories today every Monday. We bring you the top five things that caught our eye, top five things that stood out from the Sooner win on Saturday. There is more of an audio element usually to the show on Mondays. This is my bad, okay? It's not, a, it's not a lazy thing. It's an adapter thing, and I suck at remembering things. So if we can all accept that, let's go with big takeaway number five. Thank you for your accountability. Right. Number five. Nick Anderson's breakout game to me is like five, four, three, two, and one in this. Um, I I just I can't say enough about it. Three touchdowns on three receptions. Now I know Josh Elmer. That you're okay if you want to get excited about that absolute 
dime that Jackson Arnold dropped? Holy smokes. Oh, and I didn't think they were going to let him throw the football. Dropped it in a bucket. Um, he's that. He can be that guy. Nick Anderson can be a difference maker for this team. I feel like coming away, it's a major takeaway, but the question remains the same, Josh. Can he stay healthy? And if Nick Anderson can stay healthy, then you add four to that mix at 6'4", 207, and you consider uh, continue to see Jane Gibson, when given the opportunities, do the things that he's doing. Jane's going 6'5". He's almost 200 pounds now. Just It gives you so many different options. I feel like that's what's cool about how Jeff Levy and Emmett Jones have constructed this wide receivers room, and really more so it was the process, right? Emmett Jones, a handful of transfers that have come in uh, recently, and uh, Anderson and, and Brendan Thompson, whom we haven't seen yet. But I like, you got big playmakers, you got, you know, possession guys, you've got speed demons. And I think you add Anderson playing like that and then seeing Jane Gibson make the tough catches. Well, that throws the lot, that throws the fade in the red zone. That puts that right into play on the goal line is another thing defenses have to worry about. Even though I hate that play. Yes, please don't call that play ever. But, uh, do we feel better about wide receiver now coming out of the non-conference portion in part just, yes, because of this one performance here That's right. by Nick Anderson? If I say yes, is that me being too knee-jerky? Because it does. And I don't think it's just today. I think it's what we saw against Arkansas State. And I don't think it's just today based on Tulsa for Jane Gibson either. Well, and – you know, I'm, I'm saying for Nick Anderson individually, but also in conjunction with what you, you already know you've got in Jalil Farouk, and it feels pretty safe in Andrew Anthony's going to be a definite deep shot artist for this team. I mean, right off the bat, again, they found him mm-hmm. on uh, Saturday. So Farouk, Anthony, Stoops, you know what you're getting there. I mean, you got a nice little set of pass catchers right now. Yeah. Short on experience. What, what do we say nonstop during this offseason leading it? If you listen to this show with any regularity, you've heard Josh and I, uh, if I could use the term, preach to you about it. Short on experience, long on talent. That was the OU receiver, and we've seen the latter play out in a big-time way. Now let's see it again. Let's see that same separation. Let's see that same get-off. Let's see that same precise route running against a more physical Cincinnati team next week. All right, number four. Number four. four. Some big takeaways from Saturday's Oklahoma's win over t- uh, Tulsa. OU line, uh, what's up, Gabe? O-line's still a work in progress. I think that's fair. I, you know, we don't know what the health status is of Savion Bird. We don't know, you know, how severe whatever he's dealing with is. And then in that, you know, is there a chance that you could see a true freshman in Caden Green get that opportunity at left guard. He looked pretty good. But Caden Matar seemed like he played really well. We, we tend to focus on the negative round here whenever things are going so well just because, well, why not, Josh? But to me, I am I'm very excited to see what Bill Beanbow has up his sleeve, and I'm really intrigued for the challenge 
that this offensive line is going to face next Saturday. OU will be better based on facing that Cincinnati defensive front and preparing for it in the long run. Because by far, it's the best defensive line they've seen, even if they lost to Miami of Ohio on Saturday. I, even if they are still the best defensive line they're going to see, and it's it's littered with Division One guys. They're very they're very talented, very talented. So to me, something that's a work in progress better get going pretty quick because that's a whale of a challenge come Saturday. And you've got to be able to run the football effectively to to go win this league. And I mean, how many years? It's I think basically every year, the last quarter century, and probably longer than that, right? But uh, the numbers bear itself out. You win the Red River game if you win the line of scrimmage and run the football better than your opponent. And right now, 51st nationally rushing the football. You know, small sample size, non-conference foes here. They're throwing the football great. Dylan Gabriel looks fantastic there, Plank. But everybody wants to see OU just get a little bit tighter with what they're doing in the run game. I told you, I'm not opening the text line during the top five it, stories. Something has derailed us. But I just, I was looking for a text on the offensive line, and when I did, I forgot. Y'all are just like a ticking time bomb when it comes to any political talk, and you are ready to go at a moment's notice. <laughs> All right, so number four, the line still a work in progress. All right, let's go to a big takeaway number three. Number three. Now, I'm going to be uh, honest with you. I'm not a smart man. So I don't know the proper way to, to maybe phrase this, but here we go. I'm digging some of the different formations we're seeing. Now, someone asked earlier, is there too much? Uh, I, I don't think so. But at one point, you've got Jackson Arnold out there, a wide receiver. So you never know what could come out of that. Double reverse, you know, quick pass, double pass, whatever it might be. That's fascinating to me. Uh, you know what we saw quite a bit in that game? We saw two. We, we saw Barnes and Sawcheck in the game at the same time. Now, I, I don't know going back from a an individual play, uh, yards per play, points per play, whatever, how successful it was, but it gives you something else that you have to prepare for. I, I know that the jackhammer is still kind of a work in progress, but it gives you something else to prepare for. Is that the name of that package? That's what I'm going with. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Well, let I, me ask you this. Go ahead. What is the end game with the I, jackhammer? Because I'm a, to me, and I want to live in a, a realm of positivity here, but it's all setting up for something in the Texas game, right? And that scares me a little bit. Maybe. That Oklahoma's so bought into oh we're going to use this jackson arnold package i just uh i don't know how i feel about it i I don't well i do know how i don't feel great about it do you know what my favorite and this might have been since the bell dozer i love the package when they would use trey millard and he would i think they what they call it the power cat or thundercat or something i like that but I also like the idea here that, all right, this is a guy that can step back and drop a dime if necessary. Um, he's not a physical runner, or at least doesn't appear to be, like obviously Blake or well, Tebow was infamous for that. But I am curious for the end game in it. But I'm also digging some of the different ways that they're using their personnel, especially Josh whenever it just doesn't seem like they're going to have the tight end depth here to do what they want to do with two tight end sets. 
not until you get Cade McIntyre back. Wellens at a place where he can play if he can play. You know, I just I, I don't I just don't know if they have on in twenty twenty three the personnel to do the too tight stuff that they want to do. So it gives them an opportunity to maybe be a little bit more creative. All right. Um okay, we're good on time. Number two. Number two. This team continues to be really good on third downs on both sides of the football. Uh, and this was an area that just was very problematic last year. Maybe a little bit more specifically to the defense than the offense. But they are they are converting third downs at a uh, a phenomenal rate. I think what did what, what Travis Texas, number one in the country, right now in third down conversions on offense. And they're getting teams off the field on third downs at a much more successful rate than they did last year. And that continued yesterday, or Saturday. They were 7 of 9 on third downs offensively and 1 for 1 on fourth down. Yeah, very good. Meanwhile, they held Tulsa at 8 of 19. Now, Tulsa did convert. It's only fourth down, but 8 of 19. So, again, you look at all the adjusted stats, if that matters to you and you're a big, but what about the competition? Then even those adjusted numbers tell a story of a team that Josh has really improved in that area. Sure. It feels that way. And everything with uh, Gabriel right now is just more efficient. He had the what? One uh, – the one interception, I don't I don't even consider it his fault because it was poor pass protection. Uh, then he had the, the underthrown ball down the sideline to Anthony and, and one other miss somewhere else. So he was very, very efficient. He's playing great football. Yeah, we got to see uh, things carry over. I'm uh, – I'm intrigued to figure out if uh, Oklahoma has a pass rushing problem in terms of sacking the quarterback. They're just 91st there, and yet, guess what? They're number 10 nationally in TFL. So we got to see a lot of this translate versus better opponents. But generally speaking, I think across the board, yes, third downs, you're clearly better. And, and we knew that that was – I mean, that's been a sticking point for Oklahoma. They had to be better there, and they have been. I, I think that it's just – it's also been an attitude, too. Come with an attitude. And – they want to be better. It's it's a team that, that is bought in, and you love to see it. Which gets us to big takeaway number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. I think, as the kids would say, the term is dealing. And I think if you were to spell it in a tweet, it'd be like D-E-L-I-N and then a little apostrophe at the end of it or something. But in all the excitement over what we've seen from you know, short stints at quarterback with Jackson Arnold and from what we've seen with his ability to throw the football, Dylan Gabriel's dealing. I mean, he is absolutely dealing. And I, I like I said, I, I continue to couch it with, I know you all are excited about where Dylan Gabriel, or where the future of this quarterback position is. And you should be. But Gabriel... Josh Helmer is completing 82.5% of his passes through, through three games, 905 yards. Uh-huh. And he has thrown 11 touchdown passes this year, which is currently tied for fourth in the country with the defending Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. The 82%. No, I, again, I, how sustainable is that? We'll see. It's number one in the country. Dealing, man. He is. He's unreal. Now, 
he hadn't thrown an interception at this point last year, but he had also completed right around 66% of his passes. But 82.5%? Bro, I, I, I'll I give credit where credit is due, not just because he's an earshot, but Gabe had talked during a pregame show on Saturday and threw out about how he felt like that Oklahoma would have a chance to take advantage of the Tulsa defense with some of the with the long ball and some of those uh, in routes in the middle of the field, and they did, they did, and why? Because Dylan Gabriel was throwing freaking dimes, dimes. Those slants caught in rhythm. I think one of the catches. I don't even know if the receiver saw the ball. He just hit him right in his hands, right in his numbers. <laughs> Surprise! Right? It's dime time, baby. You know, it's. I hope he stays healthy. I hope it continues. I know you're going to see a much better defense and more pressure against Cincinnati. But my number one takeaway from this weekend, outside of Nick Anderson and our top five takeaways, Dylan Gabriel is is really he's really clicking. I mean, I and he's done it with you know not a ton of of a run game to support him, but he's been fantastic, man. It's been really fun to see. If he keeps it up, is he playing himself onto? Uh... NFL roster, late, 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 free agent so. situation? I think so. I think so. Obviously, he's not a prototypical guy, so that's going to work against yeah. him. But You know, and, and maybe for him it's, you know, spending a couple of years in the XFL or, gosh, I mean, maybe going to Canada but just because of his size. Well, I'll tell you right now, dude, that's a guy that that's a guy that you can start having a conversation about being in that Heisman mix if he continues to do this. Is there anything you want to add to those five, Josh, before I sign off from OU and get ready to bring you Coach's Corner? Yeah, I, uh, I've i got some defensive thoughts that, uh, like Danny Stutzman right now is... Uh, other level. Yeah, I mean, he's he's otherworldly. We, we thought this would be the case, but seeing it actually materialize is... Uh, is fantastic for Oklahoma we knew that we thought right that this was Mm -hmm. a possibility that but right now I mean it is what it is he's an all-american right now right I mean that interception he had for him to one hand tip it to himself was a phenomenal defensive play he's not making that a year ago but he is now and I'll tell you what I hope it continues and I think this everyone realizes this that's a Sooner fan uh I want to talk to him every post game I mean as he's just awesome He's got a great personality. He's got a great head on his shoulders right now. He is really, he's really clicking. And so I just, I want to see that continue. I thought Jaron Kanick had a good game. I don't know how Teddy graded him out or what, what Ted saw, but I thought Kanick had a really good game too. So good day all around Oklahoma 3-0. Let's get set for an 11 a.m. kick this Saturday against Cincinnati. All right, to the text line when we come back. And there's a lot. I'm going to go over here and interview DeMarco Murray. Josh, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll be in studio. Have Let's a go. wonderful day, my friend. Um, this is the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Plank Show, we're back with you. Hour number three, the Sooners. A perfect 3-0 and as we exit the non-conference portion of the schedule. Exactly where we thought OU would be. A little, uh, little bit of a stressor maybe for a moment against SMU late, but uh, Oklahoma complimentary football late there executing offensively defensively when they had to and of course they just wallop Tulsa this past week and so OU is uh, right on schedule maybe 
ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, in terms of things that we wanted to see, the sack numbers obviously could improve a little bit. I know there's been a, a bunch of discussion about along the way has uh, have Oklahoma's opponents sort of gone max protect at times. Hey, I, I'd still like to see OU get home a little bit more often than they have. But, uh, hey, OU's top ten in TFLs. The The takeaways for Oklahoma this past weekend – Three interceptions in the first quarter. That was what? The first time OU's done that since the Cotton Bowl game versus Florida. It's tough to get three interceptions, period. To get three in uh, the first quarter is pretty amazing. And then to finish with five, and oh, by the way, you probably had a sixth or seventh interception out there that weren't too awfully far away from happening. It uh, it was a great performance for Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel continues to play really, really good football. I just thought offensively it's uh, it's notable for OU that Farouk seems like uh, he's rounding into form. Angel Anthony, I think, uh, no doubt about it, coming out of the non-conference portion of the uh, slate for OU. He's a definite player for the Sooners, so that's really positive. Nick Anderson, we, we talked about that this morning. Important for Oklahoma that they could go find a big-bodied wide receiver, either Nick Anderson or Jaden Gibson, to be a significant, consistent contributor to this football team uh, in the throw game is is really, really good news. And Gibson had maybe the best catch of the whole day. So even though he, what, has just the, the one catch for 34 yards, that was maybe, again, the uh, the best catch. So Oklahoma's where we want them to be for the most part. Coming out of the non-conference portion of the schedule, gripes uh, again for me so far. Uh, run defense, I think, is has been fantastic by and large. The uh, look pressure on the quarterback has been there, but actually getting home and coming away with sacks could be a little bit better defensively for uh, OU. They had those two drives this weekend where I don't know if uh, you know. Look, uh, Vickers got caught peeking into the backfield. Pearson, I think, uh, got caught trying to take a chance, thinking it was uh, the out route and got burnt. But generally speaking, outside of a couple of coverage busts, it's been largely really good for Oklahoma defensively. And I don't know if you chalk that up in the moment to those several drives versus Tulsa. And this is almost giving OU a little bit too much credit defensively, but it was like they sort of just got disinterested for a couple of drives in the game. Because the game, let's call it what it was, it was – so wildly lopsided and headed that direction for OU that, again, I, I was almost like, oh, you stopped paying attention for a pair of drives. But we leave the non-conference schedule in Oklahoma is where they should be, which is multiple dominant victories, nice close when you got pressed a little bit versus SMU. But as uh, we roll along here, Hour 3 presented by Mop and Roofing, Josh Elmer alongside Mr. Connor Pasby, we welcome in. Connor, what's up, man? First off, good morning. What uh, what struck you this past weekend? Yeah, good morning, Josh. Obviously, the five interceptions that OU had. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive to do. They're taking the football away, and uh, you don't see those missed tackles like you did a year ago. And the dude leading that defense, Josh, Danny Stutzman, has really picked it up a notch. He had a good season last year, but... He's off to a tremendous start this year. Had that pick six. What a read on that play by Danny. 
And then offensively for OU, those deep balls are finally there with Dylan Gabriel and some of those big receivers to throw the football to. Uh, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, you mentioned 6'4", 6'5", plus. Uh, Josh, you had three guys in over 100 yards receiving against Tulsa Saturday. So it's a, it's a really impressive start for OU. Dylan Gabriel is very efficient. He's playing uh, smart football. So His best football. Best football, yep. So it was a, I just thought it was overall a really solid performance for OU. Yeah, it's uh... – there, there's not a ton you can gripe about. I know, I know we're going to try the run game. The run game with the offensive line, that's, that's probably the only negative to take away from. Yeah. And uh, we'll see I, I, how that's going to shake out. We had people over the weekend on the podcast side asking, are, are Major and Tawi Walker, I mean, is it now clear that those are the top two guys right now for this team, which, I, you know, coming into the season – it was like, wait a second, what's wrong? Why is it not Javante Barnes, Gavin Sachuk? And now I think that's a legitimate discussion to be had. Are Major and is Oklahoma better with those other two backs? I think that's a reasonable discussion. Let's uh, open it up on the phone lines. Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. We'll take your phone calls the rest of the way unless uh, you're going to call in and tell us that Oklahoma's not SEC ready. We're not doing, <laughs> we're not doing that this nope. Monday. But uh, we've got True Sooner. True is, uh, well... True's on the phone lines. What's up, True? Good morning. What's going on, man? Are, are you hanging in there? That was rough yesterday for your Raiders. Oh, I, I don't even want to talk about it, man. Fair I, enough. I went, <laughs> I went to an establishment, and I get the touchdown, and they're doing well and everything, and then everything just goes south for the next 55 minutes. Bills, uh, Bills are pretty doggone good, though. So They are. People, people forget about how good they are. I mean, they should have been – well, not should have been, but they could have been in the Super Bowl, what, a couple of years ago, and – they kind of dropped off last year a little bit, you know. But Josh, you know, he's still uh, Josh Allen is still Josh Allen, man. Yeah, don't don't let Week he's, One fool you. He's uh, he's pretty incredible. Hey, uh, you know, I'm I'm with you. I, I, a little head scratching on the uh, on the uh, uh, what do they call it? The jackhammer. Yeah, um, I, that's what Plank's calling it. I <laughs> that it makes me uncomfortable saying that. It kind of feel, it, it feels like they're 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 trying to put a square peg into a round hole kind of when I see it, but I did see them try to throw the ball out of it one time Saturday. So I think, you know, I feel like it's something that they're, um, you know, that they're probably just like you said, maybe making you know Texas work a little extra hard. Maybe save an hour after practice every every day to uh, to take a look at it. That may be more what it's about, but it does feel like they're forcing. I, Whenever I, I always scratch my head when I see a quarterback do as well as, as you know Dylan Gabriel's doing, and obviously if he keeps throwing for eight, you know if he keeps completing eighty-two percent of his passes and throwing for four, for three or four or five touchdowns a game, he's going to be in New York City to all the haters out there. You know the if Oklahoma, kind of, yeah, keeps winning too, right? I yeah, mean, if it uh, yeah. if yeah, it goes the way that it feels like it's going to go right now, you know, based on other results in the Big Twelve. I said it earlier, I'm going to be shocked if Oklahoma's not playing Texas again for a Big 12 championship in, what, a couple of short months. So, yeah, if if those things happen and Gabriel keeps rolling it up and the Sooners do that and go play for that, sure, he's going to be in that conversation. And up for national awards, uh, quarterbacking awards, too. They're, they're all of them. It's, it's always funny to me that I, I'm sure it's not just Oklahoma fans. I'm sure it's it's all college fans. It's always amazing to me the stereotype these guys get. You know, if you want to put him in the Landry Jones category, if you want to put him in the the Nate Hibble category of just getting no respect, um, 
that's kind of to me what it feels like, uh, you know, because maybe he doesn't have the, you know, the sparkle that that Kyler Murray's got, or maybe he doesn't have this or that. Oh, you've been spoiled, right? I mean, let's just call it what it yeah. is. But uh, also, to be fair to the situation too, and I, I like Dylan Gabriel, and I think uh, you know I, I've said it, I don't know how many times that he was good a season ago for the most part. And uh, obviously is off to a terrific start this season, but let's call it what it is. I mean, Gabriel's the quarterback of a six and seven season, right? Yeah, but that's that's asterisk, right? I mean, I mean, doesn't that? I mean, you you look at that, and would they have been six and seven if he'd have been healthy all last year? You know, would they have been six and seven if the defense hadn't been one of the what five worst defenses in the country last year? No doubt. Yeah, I mean, to to say that they were six you and know, seven because of him would be uh, incorrect. But he gets yeah. tagged with that is my point. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. But, I mean, you know, man, I mean, it's fun to see receivers out there, big receivers, tall receivers catching the ball. You know, um, man, it's just, it's just fun. And I know we went through this last year, and we were at this time last year, we were 3-0 and and all that. But there's just a different – like you said, the, the only thing that puzzles me is the fact we can't get our hands on the quarterback. Um, that does puzzle me a little bit. But – I'm also hearing a lot of people saying they really haven't, I hate to use the word tried, but they haven't shown a lot of those packages. So I don't know what to think. But you still think with as bad as the the, uh, offensive lines have been that we've played the last, you know, three weeks, you would think that uh, we'd have gotten our hands in there a little bit more. But you know what? It's uh, it's a good place to be. And maybe they'll get after Emory Jones uh, a little bit this week. But uh, it's a good place to be if we're complaining about run game can, right. can improve a little bit and, uh, hey, you can get to the quarterback a little bit more. I mean, by and large, great non-conference uh, for Oklahoma. They're 3-0. and That's the most important thing. And, really, they've been pretty impressive doing it. But What do you, uh, what do you think about Texas, Josh? I mean, are they, are they just playing to their um... – Texas is Texas. We we do not know enough about Texas yet. I, look, I'm impressed with uh, even after another stinker from Alabama, I'm impressed with Texas being able to go to Alabama and win in the fashion that they did. But, again, Texas shows up for those kind of games historically. Even uh, throughout this decade of stink, Texas plays well against good opponents, so I need to see Texas go take care of business versus Baylor and beat Kansas leading up to uh, the Red River game. I'm not convinced that Texas is beating Kansas just yet until I see Texas go do that. I think they're going to, but I'm not convinced. Where are those games at? Is, is, is Baylor at Baylor? I believe yeah, that's on, on the road and KU's uh, down in Austin. Primetime, 630 ABC at Baylor. So, And that would be that, – that's the perfect spot. For Texas yep. to totally oh, yeah. lose all yep. of its momentum and somehow lose that game. But, true, we got to run, man. Appreciate right, the man. call. You guys have a good one. We'll keep rolling along. Hour number three, again, presented by Mop and Roofing. Your text, phone calls to uh, take us home. The uh, defense, how far along has it truly come from last season to this? We'll uh, we'll talk about that before we get out of here. It's the Plank Show reacting to a – a blowout win over Tulsa right here. It's the home of Sooner fans. Back with you right after this. Mopping, roofing, and construction. Bringing us hour number three of the Plank Show. And guess what? They've got you covered, Oklahoma. Call Bob Moppin and his team at 405-703-3843. Moppin Roofing, a full-service company, family-owned and operated with 35 years of experience. Insurance specialists that can help with fire and flood remediation work. Fully insured, licensed, and bonded. That's uh, Moppin 
roofing. Some folks wondering uh, where they can listen to the Coach's Corner show at. It's uh, my understanding that it airs with us on Thursdays. And uh, uh, the Sooner Sports Podcast, I believe, wherever uh, you consume podcasts. I think if you just search Sooner Sports Podcast, you can uh, listen to it. And obviously ESPN Plus, right, as well? Sooner Vision? Yep, should be on there. How far along is this defense, Connor? Well, I like the spot they're in right now. I've seen some people on the Kenimar Chevrolet text line about the zone coverage for OU's defense so far. Getting picked apart a little bit. They have. I think the man-to-man defense for OU. I mean, you haven't seen uh, corners like Woody, uh, Gentry, uh, Kendall Dolby. You really haven't seen them get beat on any plays. I mean, I think they've been really solid on the outside uh, man-to-man coverage. Vickers made the one mistake. Yeah, that and uh, uh, Peyton – was it Peyton Bowe? Pearson. Pearson Pearson on that one. Yeah, just got caught, took the out route. Instead, the receiver goes uh, behind him into the end zone for a touchdown. But overall, I mean, I think they're in a perfect spot right now defensively. You give up 17 points, but it's kind of hard when you get up 28 to nothing. You can let a play or two – Guys get open, and that's exactly what happened to OU. Give up a few touchdowns, but in that Tulsa game, overall, they're in a good spot right now. That uh, was Oklahoma's first game with five interceptions since 2003 at Texas Tech. So just kind of amazing that... uh, It's fun when Oklahoma takes the ball away. Heck yeah, it yeah. is. Three times in the first quarter. We used to be on the wrong end of that. 2020 Cotton We used to have perfect spots to get an interception that would either be a drop, but this time they're the ball skills from some of these guys on defense is really something. Eight takeaways through three games. Turnover margin, plus six for Pretty Oklahoma. Good. You'll take that early on. No doubt. That's uh, a big-time improvement. And, and now let's see it carry over. Let's see Oklahoma do that versus Cincinnati, versus Iowa State. This uh, looks like a Cincinnati team all of a sudden that's a little more susceptible than maybe we thought. And probably nobody was getting super carried away with their win over Pittsburgh, but it was it was impressive, right? Uh, for a Cincinnati team that we sort of didn't know necessarily who or what they were going to be in the offseason, that was a nice little Power 5 win for them. But uh, obviously, they did not follow it up well versus Miami of Ohio this weekend, losing that game. Over Overlooked that game heading into Oklahoma, which OU had a similar uh, spot last year. Was it Kansas State uh, that dropped one before coming into Norman? Maybe the text line can help me who Kansas State lost to before they came to Norman last year, but overlooked that game. Still think Tulane? Tulane, yep, Tulane it was. Which wound up being you know a really good no, team. No, they were, yeah. But in, the, in that moment, it... Uh, didn't feel like uh, it was great. Despite, despite the Cincinnati loss, you know those guys are still going to be uh, ready to go. That atmosphere is going to be electric. First Big 12th game for Cincinnati. Oklahoma in the turnover margin department. They are, as we told you, plus six. That is fourth nationally. So, And we ran down the third down conversion percentage defense numbers earlier, but uh, Oklahoma's much, much improved there. They're uh, 21st nationally, giving up, uh, let's just round down and call it 30% of the time teams are converting. Opponents are 14 of 46 on third down. So that, uh, that's that been 
a marked improvement for Oklahoma. Well, and offensively on third downs, too, is such a big boost from last year. Third down conversion percentage offensively, Oklahoma's number one naturally. Yeah. No surprise. It feels like every third down so far in these first three games, though, he's able to able to complete it and keep the drive going. 67.6. Yeah, that's good. Oklahoma's converting. That's, 25 of 37. Yeah, that's that's pretty doggone good. That's a great good. sign. Last year, later on in the year, it felt like it. we could not buy a third down conversion, but this time Oklahoma's able to uh, convert them. Kansas, number three, by the way, yeah. uh, third down conversion percentage offensively. So, just kind of... Interesting there. I, I want to say yes that Oklahoma is significantly further along defensively. I, I do feel that way. Run defense is appears to be vastly improved. They the the turnovers they're coming away with. They're just in better position to go make plays defensively. I mean the the defensive backfield. I know we we can be frustrated. And understandably frustrated by several coverage busts that led directly to touchdowns for Tulsa. But generally speaking, OU is so much further along in just being where they're supposed to be. Yeah, and they, I mean, they just look faster as a unit. And now when you can sit back and uh, you don't have to worry about the opponent uh, converting a third and long, third and ten. You feel comfortable in this defense to uh, really get stops and be able to get off the field, and that's exactly what they're doing so far. Caleb from the five eight zero. Name the last time our defense actually had actual assignments and not just quote unquote go get the ball. End quote. This defense looks like one of the top defenses in the country. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it looks like a Brent Venables defense. It, it does. It does. You, you finally got guys that know what they're doing on the field now, and they're all in the right spots to go make a play. Was slightly concerned, this is out of the 405, was slightly concerned when Tulsa switched quarterbacks. Surprised us a bit, but I thought they adjusted and uh, shut them down rather quickly. Offense looked great. Yeah, you could tell it took them a little bit to get adjusted to the quarterback change, which he he came in and played solid. I mean, hit open guys, and you know he's uh, mobile and can run the football a little bit. But after a few drives, uh, OU's defense really settled down. Somebody passed this along to 24-7 sports. Brad Crawford ranked uh, or, or went in, and he didn't rank. I mean, the teams are already ranked by efficiency. But uh, anyways, he compiled the list. And Oklahoma's one of the nation's top at uh, efficiency in the uh, in the country in fact they're number one in uh, the in the nation in terms of offensive and defensive combined efficiency so offensive efficiency ranking is number six right now defense is number seven right now and oh by the way special teams is number seven efficiency right now so that, that's the that's, bi- that's the big salty. one yeah that's the big one you like to see is the special teams because they really uh, get the job done punt returns for a touchdown uh, paid Bowen had a block on uh, punt. You got guys just really making plays on special teams. Well, all of it uh, is the big one. Yeah. Defense is the big one for me, but I'm with you. It's nice to see Oklahoma taking special teams yes, seriously. Yes, we knew that was a yeah, big issue these last uh, few years. Well, the whole Lincoln Riley era. Yeah. It's like they, they just didn't, didn't take really, pride in it. No, it's it just was sort of, hey, no need to return kicks or punts. All right, one final timeout. We'll come back, both tie this thing, wrap up the Plank Show next right here, home of Sooner fans. Almost out of real estate here on this Monday, Victory Monday, 66-17. But we still got a little bit of time. Final thoughts presented by Primrose. Some interesting little notes 
in the uh, in the game notes section from Oklahoma's sixty six seventeen T Town demolition of the Golden Hurricane. The uh, second time this season, Oklahoma's limited its opponent to fewer than one hundred rushing yards. So again, that uh, backs up that Oklahoma run uh, defense much much better. Oklahoma limited Tulsa to 92 yards in the second half, just three points. That's, you know, I don't, that's no small thing for me that after you made it lopsided, you actually, actually played better defensively uh, in the second half than you did in the first half is kind of crazy. Especially when you got more substitutions happening in the second half. That's impressive to, to play much or play better in the second half. The uh, three receivers going over 100 yards, I wouldn't have guessed this. But that's just the second time that's ever happened in OU history. The uh, other occurrence was in 2012 versus Oklahoma State when Jalen Saunders, Justin Brown, and Kenny Stills did so. And uh, let's see here. this uh, The Danny Stutzman pick six, that was the first Oklahoma pick six since the 2020 Cotton Bowl. So in the realm of good signs, great teams – come away with defensive scores. Great teams come away with special team scores or set up scores off special teams and defense. And uh, Oklahoma hasn't been doing nearly enough of that. They did it on Saturday. So we will celebrate on Monday, my friends. But until tomorrow, for Plank, for Connor, I'm Josh saying we'll see you next time. Don't go anywhere. Steelman and Thune at noon next.